The Denver Planning Board reviews and makes recommendations to the Mayor and Denver City Council on rezoning requests, district design standards, and other land use rules. This meeting of the Denver Planning Board begins now. July 19th meeting the Denver Planning Board. Um, we'll just run a roll call down. If, um, let's see, uh, we've got Jordan Block, Melissa Mejia, Mary Coddington, Brad Cliff, Claude Harton, and Andrew <laughs> Anchel's folder, sorry, and Caitlin Quadra. So we have seven members present and we have a quorum. Um, I will start with public comment. Uh, planning board reserves time at the beginning of every meeting for public comment, and this is on any item that does not have a hearing or item on the regular agenda. So this is time to let us know something you think planning board should know, but planning board will not be responding or entering into a dialogue about it because it is not on the publicly noticed agenda. If you are here to give some comment on something you would like planning board to know about that is not otherwise on the agenda, please raise your hand and you will have three minutes. Is there anyone here in person or online? All right, great. Um, with that, I will move to meeting records. We do not have any for approval today, um, so we can move into our regular agenda. Um, before we do, I um, because I have to leave at 5.30, so I'll be passing off to Fred as co-chair. If we do go that late, I did want to know one thing um, before we move into the regular agenda for our board, um, is that we will be opening nominations as of today for vice chair. And procedurally, what that'll look like is We'll open them today. If you are interested or want to nominate someone, um, email Andrew to go ahead and do so to express that interest. Um, and then on August 2nd, uh, we will announce nominations. If there is uh, one person, we'll vote then. If there's more than one, we'll announce the nominations and um, we'll do those votes via email as well to Andrew and announce that on August 16th. Um, just so you all are aware, I've spoken with Fred. He's indicated his willingness to continue to serve as vice chair. Um, so I'll be nominating him for that position. Um, I'm sending that in to Andrew. But obviously, if there are others interested or you want to nominate, please do so. So I get email to Andrew on that one. Um, and then we'll um, revisit on August 2nd. Well, uh, with that, we will move on to our regular agenda. Um, before we do so, I want to make sure uh, if there are any disclosures or recusals for today's meeting items. Do any planning board members have any items for disclosure or recusal on today's agenda? And we'll revisit those as we hit each agenda item. Go ahead, Mary. Um, for item six, map amendment uh, 2022I0029, I will have a disclosure. Great. That's a lot. So, all right. Thank you all. Um, okay, moving on to our regular agenda. Um, the first item on there is number four. Um, I will go ahead and open the hearing for official map amendment application 2021I0071, rezoning 2801 West Archer Place from ESUG1X to ETUC. And I think Rob is here for the presentation. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. I'm going to get the screen shared and we should be all set. All right. Um, thank you for the introduction. Uh, my name is Rob Haig. I'm a senior city planner with uh, CPD, and I'll be introducing and uh, giving an overview for the rezoning request at 2801 West Archer Place. 
Uh, the request uh, of the, this rezoning is uh, from the current ESUD1X zone district to an ETUC zone district. So that's from an urban edge single unit. And the D1X indicates the minimum lot size of 6,000 square feet. Uh, and ADUs are allowed uh, to an urban edge two unit zone district with a minimum lot size of 5,500 square feet. Um, subject property is approximately 12,200 square feet. And it's located as shown here on this image, the intersection of Decatur Street and Archer Place. Um, also of note, the subject property is located uh, less than one block to the east uh, from Federal Boulevard. Um, uh, and is located primarily in this single unit residential area. Uh, subject property is located in Council District 3 within the Valverde Statistical Neighborhood. Uh, and as stated previously is zoned ESUD1X. Uh, this zoning is uniform with the surrounding area. Uh, as you can see, um, all of the areas uh, to the east of this Federal Boulevard corridor um, and to the north of Cedar Avenue um, has this uniformed ESUD1X zone district. Uh, aside from uh, a small open space area, um, about two blocks to the east. Uh, Federal Boulevard is surrounded by an urban edge mixed use zone district that allows buildings up to three stories and then to the south of Cedar Avenue is uh, additional two unit zoning. Uh, as previously stated, the subject property is currently vacant. Uh, the neighborhood uh, that is within is predominantly single unit residential with some embedded two unit, multi-unit residential uses. Um, and then as you see along Federal Boulevard, uh, there's a, a greater mix of uses, including primarily commercial and retail uses. This slide shows the subject property and the surrounding, uh, some of the character of the surrounding area. So the subject property is shown in the image down here on the right. Uh, this is uh, an image from Google Street View taken from the intersection of, Park, or of Archer Place and Decatur Street. Um, and then the photo in the bottom left uh, shows the Archer Place, which is uh, characteristic for uh, the surrounding area. Just to take a quick look at the process so far, uh, the uh, Property has been posted and all uh, required notices have been sent um, up until this point. Uh, the Land Use Transportation Infrastructure Committee meeting is tentatively scheduled for August 8th and the City Council public hearing uh, is tentatively scheduled for September 18th. Uh, to this point, uh, no public comment has been received and no position statement from the uh, uh, applicable RNO has been received. There are five criteria uh, used to evaluate rezoning requests. Uh, these are uh, uh, laid out in the Denver Zoning Code. Um, we'll go through each one of these um, in the following slides. The first uh, uh, criterion is the consistency with adopted plans. There are three adopted plans that are um, applicable to the subject property. Uh, the first two being citywide plans. These are Comprehensive Plan 2040 and Blueprint Denver. Uh, and then also the uh, uh, recently adopted West Area Plan. Uh, there are several goals, policies, and strategies in Comprehensive Plan 2040 um, that are advanced by the proposed rezoning. Uh, I'll just give an, uh, uh, two quick examples here. Um, equitable, affordable, inclusive uh, goal three, strategy B. Uh, use uh, land use regulation, use re land use regulations to enable and encourage private development for affordable, missing middle and mixed use income housing. 
uh, especially we're close to transit. The subject property is located uh, less than one block from uh, Federal Boulevard, uh, which does uh, um, accommodate uh, uh, several transit routes. Um, and the proposed rezoning would allow for additional middle, missing middle housing in this location. Um, and additionally, this allows for uh, infill development where there's already infrastructure, um, uh, plumbing, electrical services, and so forth already in place. Uh, taking a look at Blueprint Denver, uh, this plan provides a more nuanced uh, uh, level of detail on a parcel by parcel basis. Um, the subject property is mapped um, in the urban edge uh, future neighborhood context. Uh, these areas are generally described as being residential uh, with single and two unit uses with some low scale multi-unit uses embedded throughout. The proposed two unit uh, zone district would, uh, would conform to this, uh, this description. Additionally, Blueprint Denver provides guidance for a future place type. Uh, this area is mapped in the low residential area. Uh, these are predominantly single and two unit uses on small and medium lots. Um, and uh, this uh, plan guidance also states that accessory dwelling units and duplexes are appropriate and can be thoughtfully integrated where compatible. Uh, building heights generally up to two and a half stories. And the uh, two unit zone district being proposed um, would generally meet this guidance. However, uh, uh, Blueprint Denver does provide some additional uh, specific guidance for when we are applying this low residential guidance to a proposed applicant-driven rezoning. Uh, specifically, it states that though the description for uh, low residential places includes single unit and two unit uh, uses, um, a request uh, uh, to change the zoning to allow for two unit use um, should look at this uh, additional language um, uh, here on the right. Uh, it states that the change in zoning to allow two unit uses, um, the appropriateness of the request depends on the adopted small area plan guidance, neighborhood input, and existing zoning patterns. Uh, it additionally states that a departure from the existing zoning pattern uh, may be appropriate if the intent is to set a new pattern, again, as expressed by a small area plan or significant neighborhood input. Um, so uh, as previously stated, the uh, West area plan, which was recently adopted um, in this area, um, is applicable to the subject property and does provide um, uh, applicable, applicable guidance that's tied into this language in Blueprint Denver. Um, so we will take a look at that as far as how um, uh, the guidance of the uh, residential low uh, uh, description would, would fit onto this uh, property with this proposal. Uh, additionally, in Blueprint Denver, uh, the growth area strategy, um, this area is mapped as uh, all other areas of the city where uh, we expect to see 10% of new job growth and 20% of new housing growth by 2040. So to take a look at the West Area Plan, uh, a lot of this guidance is very similar to Blueprint Denver. The area is mapped as Urban Edge, which has a very similar description to Blueprint Denver, being primarily single and two-unit uh, residential uses. And it's also mapped as low residential. Uh, these areas are also described as being predominantly single and two unit building forms on small to medium zone lots uh, and has the same language about accessory dwelling units and duplexes uh, being appropriate and integrated where compatible. Uh, furthermore, the West Area Plan um, does include this specific recommendation uh, for expanding housing options in these low residential places uh, and states that in uh, policy L5 strategy A1 uh, to in order to expand this missing middle housing uh, within targeted locations, the following should be considered. Uh, and this consideration is to allow low medium or missing middle housing. Uh, an example of these forms would be a duplex or fourplex. Um, on corner lots uh, and or near transit 
parks, open space, sculptures, and schools. So again, the subject property being on a uh, being a large uh, or, or larger than is typical within the surrounding neighborhood um, on a corner lot. Uh, and within uh, close proximity to uh, Federal Boulevard uh, that has good transit options, um, staff finds that this language uh, uh, it affects and ineffectuates the language in Blueprint Denver um, that shows the intent to uh, uh, deviate from the existing single unit zoning pattern um, for properties like this one that are on corner lots. Uh, West Area Plan uh, has this uh, subject property mapped as with a, with a base height uh, up to two and a half stories. Uh, the base height of all building forms within the ETUC zone district proposed is two and a half stories. Uh, in addition to the consistency with adopted plans, uh, staff finds that the proposal uh, uh, meets uh, and, and conforms with the, the next two criteria um, in that the proposed ETUC zone district would be uh, uniform with other ETUC zone districts in uh, uh, other areas throughout the city, um, and that the proposal would further public health, safety, and welfare, uh, primarily through the adoption of uh, or through the implementation of adopted plans, um, but also uh, through the expansion of additional housing options in close proximity to mixed use areas and transit options. Justifying circumstance for the subject property uh, in the, the proposed rezoning, uh, uh, not only the changing conditions in the area, but also the recently adopted West Area Plan uh, that does identify specific properties like this one um, as being uh, um, appropriate locations for increased density um, from single unit to two unit uh, zoning. And finally, the proposal and uh, the proposed ETUC zone district is found to be consistent with the neighborhood context, zone district purpose, and intent statements. Uh, therefore, based on the, uh, uh, the overview given here and as detailed in the staff recommendations, CPD recommends approval, uh, finding that all of these review criteria have been met. Uh, that concludes staff's presentation. I'd be happy to answer any questions. The, uh, the property owners and applicants are also here to answer questions as well. Thank you. Um, and just procedurally, what we'll do is we have the staff presentation, then we have an applicant presentation if there is one, and then we'll do public testimony and then um, questions from the board. Um, so with that, um, this year, I don't know if you have a presentation or just available for questions. We're just available for questions. Our, our applicant representative, Emily Lizaga's lines, was going to zoom in, and I don't know if she had a presentation to make. I see it. Oh, she is. Okay. Yes. Sorry. No, then no problem. Um, Annalee James, are you available on Zoom? I, I saw Adriana Lopez signed up to see. <laughs> Hello, this is Annalie. Great, we can hear you. Uh, go ahead and provide an applicant statement. Um, yeah, we just uh, are here to answer any questions that you may have. We've um, outlined really in, in close detail everything that Rob went over. And um, yeah, we, we'd be happy to answer any questions that you guys may have. Thank you. Um, so with that, we'll move to public testimony. So all persons wishing to speak um, are registered to speak prior to the public hearing. Call you up in order, both online and in person. Uh, speakers are limited to three minutes uh, unless translation or other accommodations are needed. And if that is the case, please let us know at the start. And then um, you'll be given a 30-second warning and a signal when the time is expired. 
Um, is there anyone in the room that has signed up to speak? Okay. Um, and with that, we have one online, Adriana Lopez. Um, so we'll go ahead and turn to you. Hi all, uh, this is Adriana Lopez. I am the president of Valverde Neighborhood Association. Um, we did receive a notice for this rezoning um, as noted in the presentation. All that to say, um, our team has been really involved with um, the West Area Plan recently. And so I think if I'm not mistaken, this might be one of the first rezonings in our neighborhood that would be um, adhering to West Area Plan and, and the newness of that. And so we really haven't had a chance um, uh, either by way of capacity or just missing schedules here, I think, with um, the folks who are requesting the rezoning. So just wanted to say I don't feel like uh, we've been able to have adequate community uh, input on this at this time and just wanted to see if we could level set to at least have some face time with um, the necessary folks who are at least um, putting in this this request with the city at this time to make sure that it's truly representative of what um, our neighborhood um, has advocated so strongly for in the West Area Plan most recently. So that that's all I wanted to share today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there anyone else online? Okay, great. Um, with that, I will go ahead and open it up to questions from the board members for either staff or the app. Pardon. Right, I have uh, one question for the applicant, one question for staff. So I'll start with staff. Can you go back to the slide that, that talked about the West Area Plans sort of caveat for allowing Units. I can. I just reshared the screen. This one here. Understand the language. Yes. So it says allow low medium business. So that low medium is describing the housing type, not the district in which it will exist. So not not relating to the low medium residential, which this area is not. Right. That's correct. Yes. So the the it's this is kind of tricky within the policy. Um, that first little bullet there expand housing options within the low residential areas. Yes. So exactly as you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this applies to the low residential. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's describing two units as a low medium Got type. It. Yes, that's correct. And uh, okay, thank you. That that answers my question. And, and uh, for the applicant, based on the testimony we just heard from the neighborhood organization, I was wondering if there was any input received from the community or any efforts to receive input from the community today? Yeah, we all take that. Uh, my name is Tim Schaefer. I'm a representative of the applicant group. Um, just by way of introduction, we're a, we're a family uh, rental property organization. We've owned this lot for probably close to 50 years. And we're very familiar with the community. Um, we did actually start this process before the West Area Plan was adopted. I believe we did send out some notices to all the RNOs advising of what we were planning to do even before the West Area Plan was adopted. And then for a variety of reasons, we pulled it back and now we're, we're going forward again. So we're completely open and we have, we have not received any, any feedback. Um, I think Adrienne and I did try to connect the last week, but we didn't, our schedules didn't accommodate it, but we're certainly open to have any discussions with anybody that would like to. Yes. Yeah, um, I just had a, a question, just especially in setting up that conversation with the community, it looked like in the application that there's an intention to build two duplexes on the site. So is this rezoning 
in advance of a lot split? Probably. Yes. Yeah, we haven't made those decisions yet, but it's a very large lot, 12,200 square feet. And if we do split the lots, we would probably want to try to put two smaller size duplexes on there with a with um, enclosed parking and or carports along the alley in the back way. And the envision would be to try to create more of a community feel for the two, maybe a shared courtyard or something like that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, similar, I'm just trying to visualize that lot. Um, and it sounds like it's within the confines of the West Area plan. Um, regardless, it's a corner lot, right? Correct. Um, this is maybe a staff question, I'm not sure. Um, with a duplex, with this zoning, are you still able to have an ADU on each unit within a duplex or or not? Yes, I do believe you, you could have an ADU for each unit. So you could potentially have, if with a split lot, two duplexes and then two ADUs. Poten potentially, but um, uh, I'm going to go out and correct me if I'm wrong, as a, you, you're a rental housing company, they would have to have the owner would need to live in one of the so, units. So that might be the limiting factor with the future development, but it's possible. And actually, uh, the, the plan probably would be to construct um, the two duplexes and sell one or two of the units back into the community and keep the other two as a rental. So in that case, yeah, so the... Possible. Yeah, the ADU is hard to imagine at this point, quite honestly, with the size of the lots. Um, I, I need to do just kind of a tag on it, Rob. Um, you know, I think that in the discussion on the West Area plan is really helpful, but when I reviewed the application and reviewed the staff report, I mean, that was sort of my stumbling block is everything else that you see um, really pushes the single unit, right? Um, when you look around surrounding zoning, um, and it's really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but with the basis for being able to support adding a duplex here um, and rezoning to the TU, and it's, it would kind of be one TU in the middle of a SU, is really this like, is there other basis um, that, would, that would otherwise kind of show that in the form of plans. Yeah, that's 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 correct. So this language is kind of that linchpin piece. Um, I will emphasize that in, in Blueprint Denver, as well as the area plan, both of the future place types being low residential do describe these areas of being predominantly single unit and two unit. So between that language describing both the, the existing and proposed use, and then that new language, which allows or uh, um, enables Either way, either word, uh, staff to support a change in the um, existing zoning pattern, as you've em emphasized, um, uh, kind of ties it all together. So, um, yeah, no, yes, that's, that's it. it. Mm -hmm. that I, mean, I think it's just what we think about to this, what can be sort of precedent setting to see mm -hmm. and inform future resumes to kind of follow. Uh, you know, I think really looking at that language and focusing on kind of or lots and just being really thoughtful about where that team was appropriate and it sounds like that's been the discussion but um i think more kind of for the record as we look ahead i can see more to you coming yeah thank you um i have sort of a follow-up to that do you have i'm trying to get my head around the same thing like i understand the language that's in the plans looking at the map feels a little different the idea of 
we can't contemplate it, but the reality is we're talking about two lots. Um, how does this usually, do you have an example or like anything that you could point to in terms of helping us conceptualize how this change usually happens? Like largely what we've seen recently um, for this group is you have the decisions or the guidance that comes from all of these bigger area plans. And then you have the bigger rezonings or projects. Seeing that process start with the spot rezoning, I think is where I am struggling, but I don't know if that is something that has happened before. Like, I don't know, do you have an example? It's helpful to, for us to think about it. Sure. So, you know, we, these, this point, since there's not a legislative or area wide rezoning that would kind of, um, uh, implement this plan guidance. Um, it is done on a case by case basis, right? As as applicants come in, and and um, this is an applicant driven process. So that's I think why there is that that feeling that this is a a spot rezoning, right? That this and that's a very legal term. So I'm going to try to avoid using it, but that that this rezoning is kind of in a, a TU zone district in the C of SU. However, you know the the way that we look at it is that that this is supported by plan guidance that is kind of um, uh, kind of sets this this potential for a new pattern and and kind of as as applications come in you know they each get evaluated one at a time to see if they align with that plan guidance that you know is kind of given for this broader area so um understand the concern but at the same time i think that um uh this you know this does meet the plan guidance on this specific property so that that's why it that's why our staff supporting it but hopefully that answers your question um, Rob, would you mind if I add a little bit? Of course, please do. Um, so I could cite a few examples that might be comparable. Um, the, the, we have had other area plans that have recommended uh, a transition to two-unit inappropriate locations. And the Swansea plan is an example of that. And in that area, we have done three rezonings of single parcels uh, to uh, two-unit two zone districts. Um, uh, consistent with that plan guidance. Another uh, example that, that is comparable here, I think, is the individual ADU uh, resilience that have been uh, proposed all around the city, which is similarly uh, uh, implementing that blueprint guidance, but on a property by property basis. Any other questions from the Yeah, I, I guess I, I'm just curious how you think about. Uh, so as staff, what is the process? Um, because the, the language in the West Area Plan specifically calls out corner lots, assuming down the road that there's an application to split the lot, one of them will no longer be a corner lot. So does that affect the decision on the lot split? What? How, how do you guys synthesize that? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think when when we looked at this, we we're still looking at it as in its current configuration, right? And when it when it goes to the um, the zone lot um, amendment, which would be that lot split, it it will be able to split based on the zoning, so it won't have any uh, evaluation of that corner lot. So, um, so I think it does beg the question, you know, how how we do look at a larger lot like this. And the zone district size is potentially less than half, and it could potentially be be divided. Um, I, you know, I think I think that when we made this evaluation and and look at this language, it's not that there are 
um, that this two unit zone district extends so far into the block, but that it's not surrounded on either side by a single unit or that it, this certain levels of intensity might be more appropriate at the end of a block, um, uh, even if that eventually gets split and it's it's a larger lot or larger area, it's still kind of at the end of the block. Um, and I think that's a lot of the logic that went behind that that language and maybe why there's not a qualifier that um, that might further restrict that uh, that guidance to what would only be allowed to remain as one single. Sorry, I have one more thread. Just about outreach. Um, trying to understand the timeline on that, you said haven't been able to connect. Uh, Adriana, obviously, you kind of said the same thing, but you also said you were aware of the West Area Plan. That's been going on for years, mm -hmm. and obviously, kind of opened the door to really supporting this. And you can say that the owner has owned this lot for a long time. So I'm just trying to understand how this is a compressed outreach process that has not allowed you to actually connect with the RNO in the area when this has actually been going on for a long time. These recommendations have been going on for a long time and I happen to know that this RNO is particularly involved and been pretty good at um, being engaged. So just would love for you to speak to that a little more as to how we sort of arrived at not actually being able to connect before the application would ever be through this process. I don't really have much of a response. We, you know, we sent the letters out and they're in the application. And uh, the RNO did try to contact our our um, representative last Wednesday. Yeah, if I could just add on. Yeah, yeah. She's trying to raise her hand on the school of her right Okay. Now. She's part of the app. Yep. Go ahead, Annalie. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, just to speak to the notifications that we provided the RNOs, when we initially sent the application in before the adoption of the West Area Plan, we sent out uh, detailed letters to the RNOs in September of 2022. Um, and then once it was um, understood that we would really have more success, we waited for the adoption of the West Area Plan. We then re-engaged and we sent another round of letters out in April of this year to all of the RNOs and council members. Um, and and uh, my guess is perhaps the signposting at the lot spurred the interest, but we didn't unfortunately hear from Valverde until um, last week. And we tried to, you know, there's three of us that we were trying to line up in terms of availability. So it's unfortunate we didn't, we weren't able to connect, but we certainly tried. Um, we absolutely responded quickly to the requests and, and it just, we had trouble aligning the schedules. So I know that that's unfortunate, but we did, we've, we've had the notifications out there since, since September of last year.
in the West Area Plan. It's sort of this missing middle corner lot and neighborhood input, right? And so um, it sounds like there's an opportunity to do that and a willingness. So uh, hopefully that can happen for City Council. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> there's just two, two bits I want to address here. And one I want to start with <laughs> because I, I heard the term spot zoning thrown around. And, and I, I think we should all, it's always good to remind ourselves of what spot zoning technically means. And, and since Don Elliott is no longer on the board, I'll, I'll quote from, from the book he edited. Um, spot zoning is prohibited in Colorado on the theory that the local government cannot act merely to benefit a single landowner, but must act to benefit the general public. The test for determining whether a particular action can constitute spot zoning is whether the action is designed to relieve a certain piece of property from zoning restrictions in spite of, rather than in conformance with, the jurisdiction's comprehensive plan. So we'll be clear that spot zoning is not about geography, that it is an isolated parcel within a larger context, but it has, has to do very specifically with whether or not it meets plan guidance. So I, I just, I think it's important to keep that in mind. Um, I did go back to the West Area Plan and the specific policy that's cited. And again, I wanna, I wanna highlight that that policy is specifically small-scale multi-unit housing options, expand housing options within low residential places. So it is very specifically designed for that. And it very specifically, I think, falls out allowing these missing middle forms, duplex, fourplex on corner lots and or near transit. And it does specifically call out duplex or fourplex. And I think that's pretty much what we're talking about here. They could if this rezoning goes forward, they could do two units. They could split the lot and do four units as a, and essentially do a fourplex. So to my mind, I'm, I'm reading the West Area Plan and it seems very specifically aligned with what the plan calls for. So I, I will support this. Thank you. Um, I'm John and um, I agree with Fred. Um, this to me seems spot on in terms of um, compliance with West Area Plan and the comprehensive plans. Um, it's kind of a pretty gentle way to introduce density into the community, which is what's called for. And um, it's unfortunate that the RNO did not connect. Um, so I'm glad to hear there be some conversations um, about details. But to me, this is this definitely complies with all the requirements. Uh, so I agree with Fred. To me, that that caveat and exception, or whatever you want to consider it, within the West Area Plan, was written exactly for this scenario. So, to me, that's pretty uh, pretty rock solid. The, the thing that does bother me was what Mary mentioned it, and, and I will be supporting it for that reason. But it does bother me that if if this were split prior to the rezoning, we would not accept that inner lot, probably, or that there's not a lot for for rezoning to you because it would not meet that exception criteria. But since it's going the other way around, uh, it's sort of, I guess, that's a level of density that doesn't bother me personally, but uh, in the community, I can see why that might feel like it was a roundabout way to get something that was not the intent of the plan. So I, I don't love that about it, but uh, but I will be supporting it because I think that is very much supported by the plan guide. And the comments of knowledge of 
too used to talking about it that way outside of here. Um, but I, I mean, I agree. I think this meets all the criteria. I would echo Caitlin's encouragement to definitely try and talk to the RNO before you go before city council because that's, I think that's the one part of this that I struggle with knowing that you've been there a long time and how much engagement is going on in that neighborhood. Like that's, you, you can have a conversation, but I think it's important. Um, especially as we move forward, but I do, I mean, there's planned support for this. I understand that goal, but thank you for letting me talk through and understand how this, this rolls out. Just to add about the RNO thing, I, I mean, I heard from the RNO, maybe some acceptance that it wasn't all, that they didn't necessarily have been ignored, but they also um, maybe hadn't stepped up. and. and and I, I just kind of want to say from personal experience as somebody who's been very involved with my own RNO that I think it's important for us to, to remember that RNOs are led by and, and, and staffed by volunteers and there is often only a certain amount of capacity. And I, I really sympathize with that, particularly with an RNOs that just went through this whole plan that they were so involved in. I, I could easily understand how they might have wanted to Pick, the, pick this one up right away while they were wrapping up the plan. I mean, it's 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 tough, and I, I think there's some deep issues with how we do our nose in this town, and and there's a lot there. And relying on volunteers is a pretty imperfect world, and I sympathize. Um, so I'll just make a couple of concluding remarks and then call for a motion. Um, I concur with the comments that we've heard around. You know, conforming with the plans and meeting the criteria. And you know, I think you said it so well when you talk about gentle density. I think that was part of the concept with the West Area Plan, where it's where is it appropriate and, and blueprint really to set the tone for um you know the opportunity to do that as you go around in those neighborhood plans. And so um uh with that I would be supporting is there a board member to make a motion. No. I move to recommend that City Council approve application 2021I 00271 rezoning 2801 West Archer Place for ESUD 1X to ETUC, finding that the applicable review criteria have been met. Second. I'll second. Thank you. Um, I'm call roll call vote. Jordan? Aye. Melissa? Aye. Mary? Aye. Fred? Aye. Todd? Aye. Angel? Aye. Thank you again for the introduction. Um, uh, as you introduced, I will be uh, providing an overview for the rezoning requests here at 325 and 329 North Detroit Street. Uh, I've got a pop up here. Okay, um, 329 and 325 North Detroit Street. 
All right, so this subject or this slide shows the uh, subject property highlighted here in red. Uh, and again, the request is from a uh, general urban mixed multi-unit, excuse me, general urban multi-unit five-story zone district and a former chapter 59 uh, planned unit development uh, to an urban center Cherry Creek North four-story zone district. Uh, the property is approximately uh, 12,500 square feet. Um, it is located mid-block here on Detroit Street in between four. 4th Avenue and 3rd Avenue. Um, there are two existing structures on the property that were built in the early 1900s and had since been uh, added on with, with multiple additions um, and contain a mix of uses. Um, the proposed CCN4 zone district, CCN4 zone district is a, a zone district that's specifically tailored to uh, Chair Creek North area and the building forms um, uh, are different than those found in the GMU and the other uh, urban center zone districts. Subject property is located in Council District 5 uh, in the Cherry Creek neighborhood. And uh, again, as we discussed, the, the property has a, um, a split zoning between uh, GMU 5 uh, in the northern half and uh, the former Chapter 59 PUD planned unit development uh, in, the, in the lower half. Um, the surrounding area to the north uh, is GMU 5 and to the south is CCCN 4, uh, similar to the request. Uh, once you move further out from here to the north, uh, transitions into the Cherry Creek North neighborhood. Um, that's a, a slightly lower intensity residential uh, neighborhood with a general urban row house zone district. Um, and then to the south, the uh, intensity of the Cherry Creek North zoning kind of steps up um, as you approach First Avenue. Look at the land uses in the surrounding area. The subject property is a mix of uses, single unit residential um, and, and mixed use. I believe there's also a, um, what's identified in the PUD to be a, um, a, a home occupation here as well. Um, and if we look at the surrounding area to the north, uh, you see primarily multi-unit residential and then to the south uh, along 3rd Avenue um, is commercial retail and other mix of uses. Uh, this slide shows the subject property in the bottom right hand corner. Um, uh, again, you can see these two uh, houses um, uh, that again were built in the early 1900s um, and then have since been added onto. Uh, the photo in the top right shows the general character of the areas to the north that are zoned GMU5. Uh, and then the photo in the bottom left hand corner shows the general character along Third Avenue. And again, it's that um, uh, lovely uh, Cherry Creek North uh, shopping district. Uh, so up to this point, um, all uh, uh, required informational notices and postings have been uh, have been mailed and, and posted. Um, the Land Use Transportation and Infrastructure Committee meeting um, uh, is scheduled tentatively for August 8th and City Council tentatively scheduled for September 18th. Uh, to this point, staff has received no public comment uh, and we did uh, uh, very last minute receive uh, a, a a letter of support from the Cherry Creek North Neighbors Association, uh, which is the registered neighborhood organization applicable to the property. Uh, so we'll take a look at the five criteria in the Denver Zoning Code for evaluating uh, rezoning requests. And the first of which is the consistency with adopted plans. Uh, consistency with adopted plans, uh, uh, we're looking at the two uh, citywide plans, Comprehensive Plan 2040 and Blueprint Denver, as well as the Cherry Creek Area Plan, uh, which was adopted in, in 2012. 
Uh, so looking at comprehensive plan 2040, uh, the proposal does uh, support and advance several goals um, of comprehensive plan 2040 uh, to create a greater, greater mix of housing options in every neighborhood. Uh, the PUD, particularly on the subject property, um, is very restrictive in how it could be developed. Um, the per, the uh, uh, rezoning would allow for uh, infill development across both of these properties um, uh, and uh, um, uh, help uh, support the uh, mixed use center um, that's just south of the property on Cherry Creek. Okay, so uh, these next couple slides are, are going to be a little bit different since the, uh, the subject property has different plan guidance for uh, the two different properties. So we'll kind of go at them one at a time. Um, and I apologize for the uh, let me see if I can close this box. I cannot. Yeah, it's over there. Okay. Um, so uh, um, this uh, the the top section of guidance here is for three twenty five North Detroit Street. This is the southern property. Um, uh, this property has guidance for urban center neighborhood context. Um, uh, this is it can generally be understood as the leading C in the zone district. So the C CCN would fit uh, perfectly here. Uh, these areas are described as having a high mix of uses throughout. Um, buildings uh, usually multi-story with a high degree of lot coverage. The proposed CCCN4 zone district um, would meet all of these descriptions. Um, now, if we take a look at 329 North Detroit, which has a general urban neighborhood context, it's a little bit different. So the, uh, this area is described as being multi-unit residential, uh, being the most common uh, with some single unit and two-unit residential, um, and does discuss the uh, embedded mix of uses uh, here as well. Um, so in this case, in the staff's analysis, it's important to consider the fact that the subject property does have a mix of uses. Um, I, I believe on that property is where the, uh, the applicant uh, has their business located. Um, and so uh, 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 rezoning this property um, uh, to a CCCN zone district um, would still meet all of the descriptions uh, within the general neighborhood context, or excuse me, general urban neighborhood context, uh, even though that leading uh, uh, context in the zone district is, is actually different. Uh, block patterns um, uh, are similar between these two descriptions, um, and so is the uh, the scale of buildings and, and multi-unit residential uh, uh, being being allowed. Now, for the future place type, uh, again, we'll start for this with the southern property three twenty-five North Detroit Street. Uh, this is a, a community center feature place type, uh, again, described as uh, having uh, we're providing a mix of office, commercial, and residential uses. Um, uh, heights up to 12 stories, uh, buildings being larger in scale with a strong degree of urbanism. Uh, the CCCN4 zone district uh, uh, is a, uh, very specifically tailored for this area, uh, specifically being part of the Cherry Creek North uh, shopping district. Um, and additionally, the Cherry Creek North uh, zone districts and the specific building forms within them uh, do have a very high level of urbanism. Uh, some differences between the, the standard general form, the Cherry Creek North general form has, has uh, uh, different front setbacks, has um, uh, uh, requirements to, to create space in, in, in the building uh, as it extends upward um, uh, to, to really create a, this distinct streetscape and, and having this uh, uh, effective pedestrian public realm. We take a look at 329 North Detroit Street. Um, this area is identified as being high medium residential area. Um, uh, these areas are described as having a mix of low and medium scale multi-unit residential uses uh, and, and does call out the, um, uh, uh, that there are some neighborhoods serving mixed use uh, uses uh, distributed throughout. 
so again, uh, the CCCN zone four zone district does fit within not only the, the height of eight stories, but also within the description uh, of the uses within this future place type. Uh, the future street type on uh, on Detroit Street is a mixed-use collector, uh, which again would support the redevelopment um, of the subject property above and beyond what is uh, what is currently there. Again, which are these uh, two two homes that have been been added onto? Uh, looking at the growth area strategy map, so again, starting on the southern property, 325 North Detroit Street, uh, this area is identified as being a community center and corridor where we expect to see 20% of new jobs and 25% of new housing by 2040. 329 North Detroit Street, uh, this is identified as being all other areas of the city uh, where we expect to see 10% of new jobs and 20% of new housing by 2040. Uh, the proposed CC, CCCN four zone district uh, would allow for appropriate development uh, to achieve uh, uh, these goals and, and expectations within these growth areas. So now we'll take a look at the Cherry Creek area plan. Uh, so 325 North Detroit Street um, is part of the Cherry Creek uh, shopping district sub area within this plan. This plan is uh, broken down into these four different sub areas shown uh, on the map on the right. Uh, these are described as this uh, Location, existing mixture of high-end retail, economic development, communities, streets, and access to regional multimodal connections. Um, uh, this CCCN4 zone district was actually specifically developed uh, um, to implement the goals of, of this plan, uh, and specifically in this sub-area, um, and, and easily uh, hits all these parks and, uh, as far as uh, advancing these plan goals and meeting this description. 329 North Detroit Street um, is within the Cherry Creek North area, um, uh, which uh, has a little bit more uh, of a, a nuance in the plan guidance here. It's predominantly residential neighborhood with some embedded mixed use areas. Um, so again, it's important to point out that this uh, CCCN4 zone district would be kind of right on the border um, in this area that's a transition um, uh, between the Cherry Creek shopping district and this Cherry Creek North neighborhood um, and does meet this, uh, this plan guidance and description for this embedded mixed use area uh, that's existed for quite a while at this location. So looking at the uh, Cherry Creek area plan, uh, now we'll, we'll kind of break it up. First will be 325, the next side will be 329. Um, so 325 North Detroit Street is within the town center uh, future place type. Um, uh, this area supports a mix of uses um, uh, uh, and, and generally supports also the regional center to the south. Supports compact development patterns, enhanced public realm, including landscaping, wayfinding, signage, um, and so forth. Um, uh, this town center also acts as important transition between the regional center and the regional residential area to the north. So the CCCN4 zone district, um, it's, it's not common in the Denver zoning code to have a four-story zone district. And again, this helps uh, uh, enable that transition um, from the, the regional center down to the town center and then to the residential areas to the north. Uh, 325 North Detroit Street, again, has a maximum building height. It's location of four stories. Uh, the CCCN4 zone district uh, uh, conforms to this plan guidance as well. So looking at 329 North Detroit Street, um, uh, this, this site, you can see this slightly darker orange color um, in this uh, few block area in between um, north of 3rd Avenue and 4th Avenue. Um, this is an area identified as being uh, um, supporting a variety of houses. Um, and then uh, the second bullet point uh, 
uh, is that land uses should conform with existing boundaries between residential and mixed use areas. Um, so again, this CCCN4 zone district um, uh, would allow for a mix of uses. Um, however, it does conform still with this existing boundary between the residential and mixed use areas uh, within this, uh, this urban residential area as described here. Uh, maximum building height for this location is uh, identified as five stories and the CCCN4 zone district um, would be in conformance with this plan guidance as well. Um, this area is also identified as an area of change uh, where overall um, uh, these areas would benefit from new development, re reinvestment and uh, more intense use. Um, and the proposed uh, uh, rezoning on, on this property, which is the 325, I believe is, is the only one within this area of change um, from the existing PUD um, would allow for that, um, that reinvestment um, since the PUD prescribes uh, uh, development exactly only as it exists uh, currently. Um, so in, in addition to this rezoning, uh, there are the uh, design standards and guidelines for the Cherry Creek North area. Uh, the subject property currently lies just outside of this, um, this sub-area too. However, uh, this design standards and guidelines bound, boundary uh, generally conforms um, to the area that is zoned CCCN, uh, uh, I guess, 4 through 12. Um, and the boundary of this sub-area would be modified. Um, uh, along with this rezoning uh, in order to uh, enhance the development, uh, enhance the design of the development, and then further advance the plan goals that we looked at in the previous, uh, previous slides for plan guidance and the area descriptions. Um, uh, after looking at the consistency with adopted plans, staff also found that the proposal uh, meets the next two criteria, which are the, that the proposed CCCN4 zone district would be uniform with other CCCN4 zone districts um, and that the proposal furthers the public health, safety, and welfare, primarily through allowing appropriate redevelopment in this mixed-use area. And the justifying circumstance for the proposal um, is that the, the, um, the, the changing uh, uh, environment in the area around Cherry Creek North uh, and also the, uh, the retained former Chapter 59 uh, zoning on, on the property with the PUD Additionally, the proposal is found to be consistent with the neighborhood context, zone district purpose, and intent statements. And CPD is recommending approval based on finding that all of the review criteria have been met. Uh, that concludes staff presentation. Again, I'm happy to answer any questions, and the applicant is here as well. Great, thank, thank you. you. Um, if you have anything or otherwise you can just answer questions yeah you're right if you don't have a presentation um, my name is frank Finn, but i'm happy to answer questions great thank you excuse me um okay with that we will see if anybody is here in person or online um and maybe, maybe you noticed this did you notice a note, note there was a letter received from Susie? sorry yes okay. yes yes it came in yesterday yeah, afternoon i believe okay um, I don't see anybody online and I don't see anybody in the room here for this application. Okay, great. Um, so with that, I will go ahead and um, conclude public comment um, and move to uh, questions from our board members um, to staff. I'll maybe start since I have one. I'll see if there's any other hands. Um, this is a little bit of a comment question. Um, one, thank you so much for including the slide and the discussion in your staff report around the role of the design standards and guidelines, because that was kind of my main question of 
if this is a result of the CCM4, how do we make the design standards and the process that those have applied? Can you just flesh that out a little, little bit? Because I know that the design standards you know, don't come to Planning Board or City Council. So if this was recommended for approval here tonight and approved by City Council, what would kind of the next step be? And how as a board do we get comfortable that um, we're sure that would happen before it's done? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, as you likely know, it sounds like you do the the. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. The the the. In order to adopt amendment to those design standards and guidelines, a public hearing is required. That public hearing is not required to be with planning board or city council. Um, uh, following this meeting, we will work to concurrently schedule that meeting uh, to occur basically immediately following city council's um, uh, uh, approval of the rezoning. Um, I don't know in much way there's a bindingness to that that statement, but um, but it would be our intent to to schedule that. So I'd, I'd be happy to follow up with you and let you know when that's scheduled. And would you just follow? Up? I mean, it would make I would think that any site development plan would then, from a planning point, like if it comes in, you all would then probably kick it over to the design advisory board as part of that process, right? That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's a quick question about height limitations. Mm -hmm. Just summarize what the change is shift from the PUD five, GMU five to CCM four. Correct. What the difference will be in height limitations? That's a great question. So the the um, from the PUD, uh, basically an increase in height from two and a half or I guess one and a half stories, what the existing buildings are. And that's all that's really allowed in the PUD up to four stories. That's within what's allowed um, uh, and actually, you know, meets that same maximum within that Cherry Creek North. Um, and that's well, that, let's see. Um, I'm going to pull up a, a slide here if I can share my screen that will help me explain it. Um, I can share again. One second. It's not letting me pull this up. Oh, here we go. Okay. So, um, great question. So, let's see. Um, uh, um, let's see. Okay. So, uh, for 325 North Detroit, this is the property that has the, the PUD, um, uh, that's encumbered by that PUD. So the subject property is, is proposing a zoning of four stories, which would align with, oh, we can't see it. <laughs> Sorry. Look, I looked down at my screen and forget it's there. So we'll, we'll pretend we're, we're seeing, oh, maybe I can, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, as you can see, it's in this very light purple color. Um, so there's four stories here. So that southern, uh, the 325 North Detroit is, is within that area with four-story playing guidance. Um, and this, this would align with that. Um, it, then if we look at the, um, uh, the property that's in the, the Cherry Creek uh, North neighborhood, which I think this is the distinction you are, you are making before, um, uh, this guidance here uh, has a maximum height of five stories. I can get it to stay. There we go. Five stories uh, for the northern parcel, 329 North Detroit. Um, and the, the current zoning here is the GMU-5, which is, which is similar to the area. And that area was, was zoned this way largely because of the existing development at that time uh, when, it, when it was zoned that way. Um, and, and because this is a maximum height, 
the CCC and four being within that maximum still uh, still conforms to this plan guidance, even though that maximum number doesn't quite line up. And so the main reason for this rezoning is to be about a chapter that you know. That's correct. And there, there's also the desire and and um, and Frank, I'll let you jump in if, if I misstate here uh, is to to ensure that the properties have shared building form. So if the, this property were to remain GMU five, you couldn't have uh, a single building across both zone lots because they don't share building form. And that's largely because the the Cherry Creek North building forms are, are highly uh, customized for this area. Um, and the, the there is not support for a uh, the GMU zone district on the southern property, partially because there's not a five, there's not a four-story zone district uh, in the GMU uh, series, um, and also because of the design standards and guidelines um, and other plan guidance calls for that heightened level of design that's only really available in the CCCN four and up zoning. So, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Great question. All right, with that, I'll go ahead and close the public hearing. Um, and I will open for deliberation. Yeah. You have a, a small thing. I, I think this clearly meets the criteria. It's a, a, a good solution, obviously, for the properties, et cetera. I, I want to highlight because it's it's something that comes up as we look at plans now. And our plans have gotten very specific on a parcel by parcel level of what's there. So the point where I, I think we've almost sort of baked the zoning into our plans. And I, I think it's interesting to look at some of those images from the Cherry Creek plan, where some of the edges are a little bit fuzzier. And I think this is an interesting example of that. And an interesting example, if we talk about things stepping down, we talk about blending from one zone district to another. And I, I'm not sure that it's always so well served with straight lines. <laughs> you know, blending often does mean a little bit of, of push and pull, a little bit of, of, of interlacing. And so I think this is an interesting example of that. I just want to highlight that because I do think it's one of the it's one of the things that I struggle with with some of how FBI has been done. And I think this is an interesting example to look at as we go forward to say, hmm, you know, it doesn't always have to be. And, and some of those images in there where we saw a little bit of gradation between one Severe topography and, and another that in between area, a little bit of, of gradation in there that, that perhaps gives uh, planners, gives the city, gives property owners, gives planning board some leeway going forward to do things like this. Whereas a plan that is drawn with incredibly straight lines and very great precision along parcel lines. Uh, present some challenges to that. So I just wanted to highlight that. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm going to be supporting tonight. I feel like this is within plan guidance, but um, it was a great opportunity to dig a little bit more into the CCC and zone districts than what I had in the past. And it seems to be like far more true to the idea of a form-based zone district than, than some of our other areas. Um, and I was trying to, it took me a while to figure out what housing options were actually allowed. I was playing choose your own adventure in the, in the zoning code. Um, but I, you know, I think that that poses an interesting question because so much of our zoning code is still so rooted in sort of a use-based approach that our justifications through our, through our planning documents to talk about, you know, um, 
create a greater mix of housing options. Um, and then there's a, another one about increasing the development of, of housing. Um, maybe, uh, it's, it's hard to say with, with sort of a more form-based approach. So just a, a consideration for this, this weird little unicorn that we have in our city um, in terms of how we're justifying it. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely think it, it conforms with that guidance. So I'll be supporting. Any other comments on the board discussion? If not, um, I agree. I think that these plan guidance, particularly here where we're taking something from former chapter 59, with the old PUD and forward to the zone districts that surround it. And yeah, I think you put it so well. I appreciate the thought of, okay, do we go with pulling the GMU five down or the CCN four up and, and the ability for the CCN four to, um, probably kind of meet what the neighborhood's expectations are maybe a little bit more, but also bringing kind of that transition of the mixed use. Because I expect, like you were just saying, Mary, this may also be a use discussion too, because the GME 5 really limits from a youth perspective that has to be residential, whereas the CCM4 kind of gives that broader range. So um, yeah, uh, with that, I'll take the motion. Good. I move to recommend the City Council approve application 2022I-00155 for zoning 325 and 329 North Detroit Street from GMU 5 and PUD 5 to CCN 4, finding that the applicable review criteria. Okay, that's our second. I'll second. Mary. All right, with that, I'll do a roll call vote. Jordan? Aye. Melissa? Aye. Mary? Aye. Fred? Aye. Bob? Aye. Angel? Aye. And I vote aye as well. Uh, great. Uh, thank you so much, uh, and we'll move on to item six on our agenda. Um, with that, again, we'll follow uh, a similar format of uh, a staff presentation after there is one in the public testimony. Um, but did want to, uh, I'll read off the, the uh, item, and then I know Mary and I will come to the So, United, the hearing is open for initial map amendment application 2022I0029. Rezoning 4010 North Lincoln Street, 4048 North Leaf Court from ESUD to UTUC. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. Um, I serve on the board of the Neighborhood Development Collaborative, of which both Habitat for Humanity Metro Denver and Terra Collectiva are members, but I don't have a financial interest in this property, and I think that I can um, participate in the hearing without any bias. Thanks. Um, I will similarly disclose that uh, my law firm has represented habitat, uh, habitat community in various pro bono matters, but has not worked on this particular transaction, and I have not been involved in it. So similarly, I, I'm confident in my ability to review and vote on the matter and their Okay, with that, I will turn it over to, I think, Liz Weigel is here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, uh, thanks for letting me step in. Um, so good afternoon, planning board members. I'm Liz Weigel. I'm the uh, rezoning planning supervisor, and I'll be providing the staff presentation for this rezoning. Now here, so um, this is a request um, located in the Globeville neighborhood. Uh, two properties along Leaf Court and Lincoln Street between 47th and 48th Avenue. Um, it's approximately 15,000 square feet in total. Um, and the rezoning request is to go from a single unit district in our urban edge neighborhood to a two unit or neighborhood context to a two unit district in the urban context. 
the requested rezoning is uh, was initiated by um, former council member Sidabaka on behalf of uh, Habitat for Humanity and the uh, Tierra Collectiva um, uh, Community Land Trust to facilitate the preservation of existing houses on the lot and build two additional new units, um, which, all of which are intended to be uh, deed restricted and affordable. So I'll go over the location and it is located in Council District 9, uh, which is in Council Member Watson's district. Um, and again, it's in the neighborhood of Globeville. Um, this is a map showing the existing zoning. Again, it's in the urban edge single unit district today, and that's primarily um, what you uh, see around it. Um, and today, this land use map is showing that it's also primarily a single unit uh, residential um, on the properties and around it. And then we do have some industrial uses um, further to the north and west. Um, this image shows the existing homes on the lots. Um, and as I mentioned, concurrent with rezoning, um, there is um, uh, effort to uh, build affordable housing here. And we have a concurrent affordable housing plan that speaks to um, some of the intentions of what is gonna be built um, on the lot, uh, which Habitat for Humanity owns. Walk through the process. Uh, so the informational notice went out on uh, March 28th and the notice for this meeting was sent out uh, 15 days ago. Um, and after planning board uh, should it move forward, it will go to the Ludi committee um, later in August and uh, a public hearing in September. Uh, there are a number of RNOs in the area. We do have one, uh, we received two letters in support. I think I heard there might be an, another one coming soon, but <laughs> so far that you think you've received two letters in support, um, uh, one from the Globeville Civic Partners and then another from the GES Coalition. There was one in the packet and we uh, there was an updated letter from GES Coalition that you received today. Um, we have not received any other comments um, from uh, other neighbors or stakeholders. Uh, so as you are aware, we have five review criteria that I will walk through. Uh, the first is consistency with adopted plans. So in addition to our citywide plans, uh, we have the Globeville Neighborhood Plan, and I will also uh, touch on our uh, housing plan, Housing Inclusive Denver. Uh, we do find that the application is consistent with a number of our uh, elements in our comprehensive plan. This includes those that encourage a greater mix of housing and affordable housing, um, and that uh, uh, infill that can happen in neighborhoods. I'll walk through Blueprint Denver. Um, both of these properties are within the urban neighborhood context, um, and that's consistent with the uh, rezoning request. Um, and urban typically has uh, a mix of one and two unit and a regular block pattern. Blueprint Denver identifies these as residential low, which are predominantly single and two unit uh, uses on smaller lots. Um, it also says that accessory units and duplexes are appropriately appropriate and can be thoughtfully integrated. Um, Blueprint Denver also uh, points to the neighborhood plans to provide additional guidance, which I'll walk through shortly. Um, this is within in our growth strategy in Blueprint Denver. It's within all other areas of the city where we do um, expect to see some uh, moderate growth to happen over time. I, I did highlight some additional blueprint strategies that are relevant here. And again, they speak to diverse, diversifying our housing options um, and integrating missing middle housing where appropriate um, and also incentivizing the preservation and reuse of existing uh, smaller and more affordable homes. 
uh, I'll now walk through the Globeville Neighborhood Plan. Um, within the Globeville Neighborhood Plan, uh, this is called out in what's called the Residential Neighborhood Core uh, Land Use Concept. Uh, this plan is from 2016. Um, it's identified as single family with ADUs, and I'll, I'll walk through that in more detail. Um, it recommends updating the neighborhood context uh, in Globeville from urban edge to urban, um, and it also provides some guidance around minimum lot sizes. Uh, there's a recommendation for uh, building heights of 2.5 stories, which is uh, consistent with what the district would allow. Um, and then there's some additional strategies in Globeville that we um, feel are relevant in this case and provide additional guidance. Um, some I've mentioned, so once that's the first one there is on the update to uh, the neighborhood context, which was an effort to better reflect the built pattern of Globeville and the desired pattern going forward to go from urban edge to urban. Um, it speaks to the desire to reduce the minimum lot size um, in the neighborhood from what is there today. Um, and then has some very specific language about um, that residential core area that speaks, to, again, it's called single family with ADUs, um, but it speaks to the occasional pattern of duplex and multi-unit happening there. Um, and then there is specific guidance around supporting the efforts of organizations to build affordable housing, uh, specifically calls out Habitat for Humanity as one of those, um, and really ensuring that there is abil ability to keep and preserve and build a new housing. So given the concurrent affordable housing plan um, to build um, affordable housing here and preserve the units on site, uh, we do feel uh, that the request is consistent with the plan guidance in Global Neighborhood Plan. Um, lastly, I want to uh, touch on Housing Inclusive Denver, which is an adopted plan from 2018. Um, and, and similar to some of the strategies that we see in Blueprint Denver, this plan also recommends the development of additional missing middle housing and uh, strategies to promote long-term affordability. So again, give, uh, we feel that this rezoning together with the concurrent affordable housing efforts will be consistent with this plan guidance. Um, on to our next criteria, um, we, uh, we do find that this will result in uniformity of district regulations um, by applying the same UTUC uh, regulations as apply on other sites with similar zoning, um, and that the rezoning uh, furthers public health, safety, and welfare uh, through um, uh, facilitating our adopted plans and uh, facilitating more affordable housing options in the neighborhood. Uh, with justifying circumstances, the recently adopted plans, both Globeville and Blueprint, have been, were adopted since the zoning that's in place, and that's a, a valid justifying circumstance. Um, and lastly, we find that there is also consistency with neighborhood context, zone district, purpose, and intent, and intent as described in the staff report. Oh, and there's another slide on it. <laughs> so this speaks to some of those specifics uh, around what is allowed in that district. Um, it allows uh, two units up to 5,500 square feet, which is consistent with the neighborhood plan um, and speaks to some of those uh, building forms. So with that, CPD recommends approval uh, based on finding that all review criteria have been met. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that the kind of official named applicant is yeah. not here to testify, but I know that um, I think we have uh, two of us who are here to kind of <laughs> give a version of an applicant testimony, public uh, testimony. So uh, go ahead and come on up, um, and then we'll see if anyone else can do it. Give your name and address. Do you want to speak from here? 
Um, my name is Nola Miguel, um, 
Um, and so slowly but surely we're gaining more uh, homes in the uh, land trust and hope that we want to continue, but we need real estate strategies like this to be able to keep keep going. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a critical affordable housing strategy overall. You know, I would love to see that across Denver, uh, not just in Global Responsia. But we did, Andrew actually mentioned, those homes that were rezoned in Responsia were um, were part of Pinnacle and Kiva as well. We rezoned in Responsia two different properties, the duplexes to TU, and we also did a three unit one um, in uh, Swansea as well. Um, so that has been a strategy that we've been using so far. Um, we did do, uh, in addition to just being a community owned project and having um, all entirely, except for two folks on our board, our, our Global Area Swansea residents, um, we also did outreach directly around the properties. Um, so we sent notification. I've been talking to a lot of folks, including people that live right next door on both sides of the two properties. Um, they were interested in buying a home in the land. <laughs> Um, didn't hear any concerns about, you know, that added uh, light density. Um, uh, we also talked to uh, some of the RNOs. We have two letters of, of, of support now from different RNOs in the neighborhood um, and are ongoing and we'll keep talking to folks um, as, uh, as, as we keep moving forward towards <laughs> um, I just, I would just like to read it reiterate that our plans is to keep the existing very small units that are on the sites and add additional small units to the site so that it would be in keeping with what's already there and, and just help us to meet the goals of the Montiva as well as you know, Habitat's goals and global um, Is there anyone else signed up to speak online or in the living room here? Oh, that's okay. okay, great. Um, okay, well, with that, um, we will just open up to questions from the board. Um, go ahead, I have two kind of geeky questions. Um, one for staff, I'm, I'm just curious how does it work with a council person sponsored application when we're in transition? Does the new office just pick it up, or how does that work? That's a, a good question, and one we had to answer for ourselves as well. <laughs> um, and so, uh the way that our zoning code works, it speaks to the uh, the applicant that initiates the application. So um, with it, it can be initiated by a, a current council member um, and it doesn't, they don't need to stay the council member after that because the initiation is what our code speaks to. And I don't know if Adam wants to add any on that, but that it's really the, the when the initiation happens, if it's by a current council member, then it can continue through the process. <laughs> Um, the second question for, for Nola, I'm, I'm curious, in your initial support letter, it talks about developing homes using Habitat's pre-approved ADU two and three bedroom models. And I'm, I wasn't aware that we had gotten to the stage where we had pre-approved pattern ADUs in Denver. And so I'm curious if you can elaborate on that. It's not an official term because the the way the city's software works, they couldn't type through ADUs, but instead we have an agreement that these move through the same reviewers and who have seen these plans over and over and over again, so that we don't get, um, you know, the six-month waiting periods for these various people. 
And is that only if habitat brings it through, or can these be made more broadly available um, to for use by others? Uh, that's a great question. Currently, the sort of owner of the lands is the West Denver Renaissance Collaborative, and Habitat has um, use of those plans. Okay. I I do know that we also have agreed that other contractors working for the VBRC could use them, but I don't think there's probably you know going forward much opposition. Cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, Follow up a quick question. Um, in your presentation, it was like the last thing where you're still seeking approval. That's when the ships go online and that was impossible. Mm -hmm. It's like one of your last two slides. Are like... Was it uh, was it the one regarding affordable housing? Maybe that does that sound like a one line. One line that's at the very bottom. Let me see if I can share again. See if just make sure I'm following the same slide as you. So let me see. Was it here? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this is speaking to, um, I think, uh, as um, some planning board members are aware with the uh, uh, last year we adopted um, mandatory affordable housing in the city. Um, and as part of that, you do an affordable housing plan um, that happens as, actually at site development plan. So this is speaking to the fact that there's kind of a, a draft of what that will look like that supports the um, the the plans that you heard discussed today for Habitat for Humanity. So they've already started the, the piece of how they demonstrate of how they meet the affordable housing requirements in the city through the uh, land, trust, land trust plan. So that's speaking to that language. Does that make sense? Yeah. And we agreed to 100% affordability. Yep, beyond our standard requirements for other developments. Um, I had a couple of questions. I think relative. Well, so just so I understand, right now there are there's one small home on one of the lots, one small home on the other lot, and you plan to add on that so that you'd add that with two of two, right? Okay, thank you. Sure, sure, sure. And then can you flesh out? There's mm -hmm. one other criteria you called out, or policy strategies, I should say, involve the zone lot size, and then you touched on it in kind of one yep. of your second to last yep. slide, but I wasn't quite back. So the existing zone district has a 6,000 square foot um, minimum lot size and what okay. the, yeah, the SU district and the uh, the Globeville plan, in addition to saying we should go from an urban edge district to urban also says that if you have 6,000 square foot lots, you should go to 5,500 square foot lot, which, which the UTUC for the tandem house or a duplex has that minimum 55 square foot. So that is saying that that's also consistent with the, the plan guidance. Thank you. That's um, and then I think the last is, and it kind of harkens us back to the first application that we had a little where you see kind of um, to me here, such a clear intent around the affordable housing and maybe that's kind of, you know, what help when you see the mm -hmm. CU single SU yeah. zoning and then the TU is kind of there, um, you know, how how do we think about sort of the precedent that that mm -hmm. sets? Because, you know, it could encourage other applications that maybe don't have such amazing intentions to come forward and say, well, you know, soft, gentle density mm -hmm. can be supported here. And so I think it's probably where you start talking about, you know, because of Denver and, and uh, but 
could you just yes yeah that's a, a great question and it's similar in terms of how we looked at the plan guidance so blueprint denver says in low residential that both single and two unit are appropriate um, and for guidance about how you make those determinations one of the places it points to is the small area plan so in this case the small area plan um or globeville speaks uh, calls this area single unit with ADUs, but it has that language about occasional duplexes and multi-unit structures. So then you get to the question of when is occasional appropriate? And so uh, looking further through that plan and the very specific guidance, again, about facilitating the affordable housing development is where we drew that connection. It was like of allowing additional affordable housing to happen in connection with that occasional is appropriate. We feel that it does meet that guidance and furthers the plan where potentially another application that doesn't have those factors might have a harder time um, making that case. Any other questions? Okay, great. Um, I will go ahead and close the public hearing and open up the board deliberation. Yeah, yeah um, I'm definitely in support of this tonight. I think it's a slam dunk um, in terms of plan guidance. I'm actually just really like the nerd in me is so excited about using the TUC zoning in this context because it's effectively an ADU. Um, but you could never use it for anything that wasn't a, a land trust. And so I'm just bubbling with excitement on that. Um, and then the other thing that I just wanted to flag for my nerdy colleagues is um, in, other, in other communities in Colorado, we're seeing uh, a precedent of if you exceed the mandatory inclusionary requirement, you then can sell an affordable housing credit. So um, for projects that are 100% affordable and can exceed, they can sell to market rate developers credits to offset the, the mitigation. And so it would be just another way to further a real estate strategy. Um, so just something to think about as we continue to evolve our affordable housing strategies. Um, but I'm in support tonight. Yeah, I mean, I actually wanted to talk about that. Um, I, that TBU distinction of being able to say, essentially say we were building an ADU, but we'll be able to sell it separately, I think is really interesting. And I, this is a subject that has come up, obviously, as we talk about ADUs requiring owner occupancy of one of the units. It has implications in terms of some of the, the building code and life safety code implications. Uh, and, and this is why I guess I, I, I hope we can continue the conversations about ADUs beyond the recently completed ADU zoning piece because those code implications are so important. And there needs to be that larger conversation about whether other occupancy is required and whether or not they can be sold as separate units. And, and this is an elegant way of, of addressing it in this one, but it feels like we're all sort of working with what we have rather than asking the larger questions and trying to address those. And, and I kind of hope that at some point we can ask the bigger questions about this and try and address those rather than just sort of using the code to figure out how we work around some of those questions. Um, I I think it's interesting what you said about the essentially creating a, an affordable housing TDR. I believe my recollection is, is that currently in Denver, you can 
do with as long as you're within the same statistical neighborhood. But I don't believe that they can go beyond that. So you could essentially, I, I thought it would be an interesting business opportunity for somebody to build a fully affordable project and say Golden Triangle and sell that affordability allotment to market rate developers in order to pay for that housing in that neighborhood. So I, I think there's a path there, but in a very limited way. But again, it's a, it's a great topic for us to discuss at some point further. Thank you. Just uh, recognize, I kind of asked the questions that I had in the first one, because this one also is individual lot rezoning. Got through that there, just recognizing that this one's similar. Obviously, to me, it's very clear that meeting the affordability is like what's laid out in the neighborhood plan. That is what this is doing. Um, but so just recognizing those are similar. Ask my questions that I'm having this time, but I'm very excited to be supportive of this. Okay, any other comments or discussion from the board? I'll do a call. Oh, well, I'll take a motion. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want to make a motion? Good. I move to recommend that City Council approve application 2022-I00229, rezoning 4710 North Lincoln Street and 4748 North Lincoln Court from ESUD to UTUC, finding that the applicable review criteria have been met. So, all right. So roll call vote. Jordan. Aye. Melissa. Aye. Mary. Aye. Aye. And I also vote aye. Congratulations. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for stepping in. Um, with that, um, we will uh, move to uh, CPD and chair time. Um, I just wanted to highlight a couple of things. I'll turn to Andrew. Uh, we should have all received an email survey from um, Scott uh, that went out to the broader public that's been involved in NPI processes, but they did specifically ask for tiny board members to complete that, so please do so. Um, and then, as you know, we have saved time on our calendars for next Wednesday, next Wednesday, the 26th, um, to have a specific work session on NPI. And so if you have, much like we did with our development review, if you have questions, if you could send those and email them to Andrew in advance, he'll try and get, he will get them over to the NPI group to kind of roll those into their presentations so we can be a little more efficient. So um, please send those in these way. Um, with that, I'll turn it to you. I know we kind of want to talk about the little few scheduling things. Great, thank you. Uh, uh, speaking of the uh, workshop next week, uh, the NPI team did provide a, a memo that goes over essentially what their the, the analysis they've done so far of the NPI program and some of the early feedback they've received. And I'll be sending that out to all of you uh, when, we're, when we conclude this meeting today. Uh, so you'll have that to review in advance. Um, the other thing I wanted to chat about is the August 2nd hearing. Uh, so, you know, as, uh, as we were talking about before the meeting began, we have kind of, uh, we often have sort of a dip in uh, uh, action items in uh, July and August, uh, as uh, the city council typically takes uh, uh, vacations uh, in July. Uh, this year we had the mayoral and city council transitions. We had several council meetings that didn't, couldn't have any hearings and things got, backed up. We had a few items on the August 2nd uh, uh, agenda that have requested postponement actually to the subsequent uh, meeting on the 16th. Uh, so right now we do not have any items scheduled for August 2nd. 
we had talked about, uh, and, and I did discuss with the NPI team, the possibility of, of, of moving the discussion. Uh, they are really hopeful uh, that we can continue to can have that meeting on NPI uh, next week uh, in the less kind of formal uh, sort of workshop uh, uh, format. Uh, but I wanted to, you know, throw out there the possibility that our second meeting will still need to take place because these are uh, pre-scheduled meetings that they will need to take place in this room. But if there are, and, and, and be televised, but if there are topics uh, that uh, you all would like to talk about. Uh, I know we had talked about potentially August 30th, um, the, that fifth Wednesday in August, as a date for kind of a, a, you know strategy discussions and that sort of thing for planning board. That, of course, is not an official date, so we could have, that would not have to have the same kind of formal uh, notice and, and uh, would not be, not be uh, televised. I think you notice it. Exactly, we do notice it, but it's it's a it's a uh, printed notice essentially on uh, upcoming meeting uh, uh, bulletin board. So we could uh, use the August second date uh, in this space to have some uh, discussion around uh, strategy, or we could uh, also cancel. and I, And I'm happy to support that. I, I don't think we as a department would be able to prepare uh, any content uh, that quickly for that meeting. But if, if you all uh, desire to get together on that date and, and talk about uh, things that are on your mind, we can certainly do that. Or we could save that for a kind of a less formal discussion on August 30th and cancel the August 2nd date. But I think we would be want, if we did cancel August 2nd, we would want to meet on August 30th and have a yes. work session. So want to make sure that that's the description. Yeah. Quick, quick question. I, I had a note jotted down. At one point, there was a question whether the 30th might be any joint session with council. And we are still, that's still a possibility, but not confirmed yet. Uh, the council staff and central office are dealing with, you know, the big changes that have happened over there. And I think they're still, you know, hiring up their staff and that sort of thing. So uh, uh, we have not been able to that yet. Well, I like the August 30th option if there's no clean content for the second. And that gives you all more time to kind of yeah. plan for a meeting. Um, so that's, I don't think it's important to work. No, no, no. That, no I, that, yeah, I kind of wanted to open up for feedback when we were kind of talking before getting here. Yeah, that was for me. Agreed. The 30th? Okay. Okay. Yeah, because part of it was we wanted to make sure like if a bunch of people could be here on the 30th, then having a work session. Isn't very helpful, but <laughs> but if that does work with these schedules, I think that you know doing that and giving staff particularly more time suddenly, I mean, two weeks isn't a lot to do good content for our work session or strategic planning. So, well, I did have another question that I I don't know if there's a quick answer now or if we can flesh it out in deeper conversation in the future. Um, where is the best place to access the um, new list of all the available property that we have for micro communities. Oh, that's a, that is a great question. I hate to give these kind of answers, but I, I'll have to follow up with you. Okay. Uh, and, <laughs> Can you say more about that? Yeah. yeah um, uh, uh, Mayor Johnston uh, is, you know, has his emergency declaration to address homelessness and um, I know that the city has worked on land inventories before, but there appears to be a new list um, 
of sites that could support microdevelopment to to further that vision. And um, it, it ostensibly was published yesterday, but I have not really found where to look for that, and would love to know. I will inquire and circle back to you. Thank you. I can't speak to publishing, but I've been involved in that effort for the last week and a half or whatever. And to my knowledge, there are essentially two two lists that were put together. One that lists like 600 something sites that was came out of data, whatever that means. And I, I would tell you that an awful lot, it includes an awful lot of chaff that doesn't, doesn't work. There is a second list that I I spent most of last week and last weekend putting together that addresses micro communities, potential warming sites, as well as potential multi family. This got a little more thought to it than that, and is well under 100. <laughs> um, so I don't know what's what's been published. I mean, if you find it, you can certainly chat and I can share with you what's out there. The city, the city has a list, and the city real estate office has a list of. Um, of city-owned properties that went into this, they've eliminated they eliminated a bunch, and then there's kind of a quote-unquote working list. And I would tell you that they they say that all but maybe eight of those are not feasible. Mm -hmm. I went through that line by line, and I identified some that are, for example, parking lots that appear to be duplicative, where there are there's other substantial parking associated with the same facility or in one case, a parking lot that appears to have been turned over to a commercial parking lot operator, operators public parking. So some of those I included in my list, even though they were not on that, that list. So it's a, a little bit, I think it's still a work in progress. Um, and probably the, the sort of the, probably the person to contact would be um, Joshua Posner, who's working for Cole Chandler in the mayor's office in that. Does this include like what's considered underutilized property, like churches that have extra acreage and that sort of thing? In some cases, yes. And, and some of it, this this was a list growth that grew out of a variety of people putting in their thoughts. It included city property, included RTD property. And I went through that list item by item. I think identified some interesting possibilities. My list eliminated a lot of pieces that I thought for fairly subjective reasons, didn't make any sense. We're probably not going to stand up a micro community mid block on a block of single family residential. So there were sites that you know were like put forward as you know that developers are selling that kind of thing. Um, so there was a little bit of kind of a is this feasible? Is this really going to be able to happen that we need to that? There are some churches on there that have some property that were identified by individuals as being churches with excess property that they might be the lease um, with buildings that may need renovation but might be available for lease, that kind of thing. So there's some of that on there as well. But it's I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily complete, and I wouldn't say that you know, in my evaluation whether it's feasible. Included the information I had readily to hand in those cases. So those are probably because we go through a little bit more due diligence and get knocked off. If you're okay. Okay. Um, so I just want to circle back on schedule. So we will 
meet next Wednesday, three o'clock at uh, our offsite work session. And then we will cancel August 2nd, unless something comes up. Um, we will meet on August 16th. Um, and then we will meet on the 30th or hold the same time on the 30th for a work session. And I will send the calendar And were there other board items that anybody wanted to raise? Are we going to plan on a two hour session on the 30th? So I think you should hold that, yeah. Like a three to five, that's about Great. Yeah. Great. Thank you all. That will be adjourned. Thank you all.